0: Hey, my name is Dustin and this is my wife, Mandy, and we wanna say thank you for checking out today's message at Citizen Church.
1: Yeah, so whether you're in your car or at work, wherever you might be today, it is our hope and prayer that you leave encouraged and equipped in your daily life. So here's the message.
0: Uh, We're in this series, as for me and this house, and it's our annual Heart for the House series because um, next week we take our annual Heart for the House miracle offering. And you have these red envelopes. And and next week, if you've never been to one of these Sundays, it is super exciting. It's basically a a vision Sunday. Um, It is not just one giant offering next Sunday even if you're not planning on giving in the offering next Sunday still come um it's just a, it's an incredible uh Sunday where we cast vision again for the endeavors that we're talking about in this series uh what's coming up in 2024 uh we're also giving an update on our north campus and where all of that is at next Sunday so it's going to be very exciting so again next week is important it is the it is I'll call it the beginning of our heart for the house offering because you're able to give now. You're able to give next Sunday and through the end of December. But again, remember our stretch goal this year is a, it's one million dollars to come in to this end of the year offering. It's a stretch goal. It's big. It's a faith goal. But the reason why we cast this goal is if we hit that number, what we're able to do is go into 2024 with confidence that we can accomplish every single goal we have set out to accomplish. Uh, we're opening our brand new North Campus next year with a full-blown coffee shop with a drive through at our North Campus on Alameda in Wyoming. I think that's pretty cool. But also our anchor project for this series uh, that we're in, our anchor project that we're accomplishing in 2024 that I introduced in week one, is our brand new preschool we're opening in August of 2024 called Foundations. And so a lot of this is the startup cost to that, getting that going and the prices down uh, to what we want them to be. Um, and so there's a lot going on. Last week, uh, Mandy preached on the next generation, the importance of the home. And we also unveiled that one of our projects this year and in future years to come, uh, we'll be partnering with families financially that feel called to adopt uh, children. Oftentimes, in different scenarios, that can be a gigantic cost, and and we believe so strongly in adoption that when God's called us to do it, it is an amazing godly thing to do. And so today, we're continuing our our series um, as for me and this house. I also said that uh, first the first week that this series is kind of falling in line with the whole fall. We did a series in August called Mighty to Save, which was more others-focused, the gospel and um, evangelism-focused. Then for the next seven weeks after that, we talked about the seven dimensions of discipleship, and that's more me-focused, not in a bad way, but just my personal discipleship. And then this series, as for me in this house, is more us-focused as a church, who we are as a church, where we're going as a church, and what we're setting out to accomplish as a church. Um, a couple of years ago, Mandy and I were in New York for our anniversary, and we love new york and i, I love I just love the the life of the city. I like just walking outside and so there 's a problem though, and it 's been a problem in our marriage since the beginning. I walk too fast everywhere I go D- Does anybody that 's married have a spouse that walks too fast everywhere they go so you feel mandy 's pain i don't i don 't mean to walk too fast it 's just I've got ADD and my brain latches onto something and it's just go fast or go home. You know, like the people next to me don't know we're in a race, but I'm racing them to the next street. To the, I mean, I I mean, as soon as that thing turns to the walking man, I'm running. And so, but Mandy, our whole marriage is like, Dustin, Dustin. And I turn around, I'm like, yes, please don't interpret this as me not loving you. I love you with my whole heart. I just have a problem. You know, okay. And so, but every time we're walking, Dustin, Dustin. So this day in New York. We're walking and we're running down the stairs in the subway and we're going, I'm running. She's walking down the stairs into the subway, trying to catch this train to go to dinner. And I can feel Mandy next to me and I'm paying attention this time, I think. And I'm walking down the stairs and I see the doors open to our train. And so I kind of started walking a little bit faster. I can still feel her right here. And we jump on the doors open and then the doors close. And I turn and to tell Mandy, we may, and it was not Mandy. Mandy. I turn and look at the doors through the glass, and Mandy is standing on the outside of the doors, and my entire life flashes before my eyes, and all I can do is just go, Jesus! (laughs) Like, genuinely asking for help. And all of a sudden, when I said Jesus, the doors open. I reach out and grab Mandy and pull her in. And from that day forward, that was the day Jesus saved our marriage. It was amazing. (laughs) The door's open. I just grabbed her and said, "We're in." And I go, "We made it." And she goes, "You almost didn't make it." You know, kind of thing. So, the door's open. When I when I think about that story, I know, I know it's kind of silly. But when I think about that story, I think about a lot of people today. A lot of people today in the church, um, in the church world, because of their past, because of their upbringing, maybe because of their age, feel like the doors of opportunity have closed on their life that they might be able to contribute a little bit to what the church does, or God might still have a little bit of a plan. But I wanna tell you today, when it comes to God and his church, when we are in Christ, the doors of opportunity always open when we call on his name. And there are people in this room, I want you to hear me, there are genuinely people in this room that feel like your future, your purpose, is not what it could have been because of circumstances between you when you first felt called to where you are today. I want to remind you today, and it's not just Dustin saying this, it is the nature of God, who he is. I want to remind you that your purpose, your destiny, what God has called you to do, those, those doors of opportunity are still open in your life. And I wanted to ask you today, what are you going to do? I think God wants you to reach out and take what's beyond those doors of opportunity. And we're committed to being a church that allows for people to find a piece, if not all, of the purpose of God in the local church and what they're called to do. We want to help you with that. We believe the doors of opportunity are open for our church right now. There is an opportunity for us to invest. There's an opportunity for us to be a part of something that can move and shake neighborhoods and cities and nations. Not because it's our church, but because it's Christ's church built on his foundation. The anchor verse for this series is exactly that. In Matthew 7, 24-27, Jesus was telling this small little parable about two men, one that built his house on the rock and one that built his house on the sand. And he says this, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock, been founded on the rock. As for me and this house, we will be founded on the rock. We are founded on the rock. This church, you may not know, we've said it for a few weeks, but this church is 92 years old. We've been in Albuquerque for 92 years. People have asked me, when did you start the church? I said, there were 16 pastors before me, dude. 92 years. Do you want to know what that means? We're at a place now because we have been founded not on the rock of a pastor, not on the rock of a denomination, but on the rock of Jesus Christ. This church has weathered some storms. This church was launched during the end of the Great Depression. This church was has weathered through storms and, and economic collapses. And we're still standing today. Why? Because it is founded on the rock. And we also believe that your house, your home, your family, your life, your marriage can also be founded on the rock of Jesus Christ, founded in the church of Jesus Christ, our feet on a strong foundation. But there's a lot of responsibility that comes from being built on a strong, multi-generational foundation like our church. We don't we're not here just to say, oh, we've weathered a lot of storms. That's awesome. We're we're strong. And week one, I kind of talked about the state of our church, how we're in a season of strength right now. And we're and we're growing and great things are happening. But that is not happening. We're not celebrating it for the sake of celebrating it. It's for a reason. Who has God called us to be as a church? About a year ago, I had just gotten back from a trip to Greece. About a year and a half ago, I got a phone call from a man named Jeffrey Portman, and he oversees the church multiplication network. It's like 10,000 churches that, that, that focuses on planting new churches around the world. And he calls me, we had sparked up a friendship, and he calls me and goes, hey, do you want to go to Greece this, this fall on a kind of the footsteps of the Apostle Paul trip? And I was like, well, yeah, but it's like, what's the catch? Like, how much is this going to cost? And he goes, no, 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 it's free. There are some donors that are wanting to pay for some pastors to go on this trip for the New Testament to come to life as we travel to these cities where the Apostle Paul went and wrote letters to, which are in the Bible. And, and I said, oh, I'm down. Who all's going? He said, well, they're all church planters that have just started their churches in the last one, two, or three years, except you. And I was like... Well, why? Why? Why am I going on with a group of people I don't have much in common with, except for a title? You know, it's like they're talking about, you know, all the stress of like starting a church and and not having this and you know meeting in a school. And I'm like, I, I don't have much in common. Why? And he said, I just want you to come and 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 pour into people and just come hang out. And I and I I was like, okay. So I've got to go on this trip, and it was amazing, life changing trip. One of the days we were there, we were in Corinth and we went down to this ancient uh, marina or port. And, and I, I, this, we have a photo right here. And this port is exactly the place where Paul set out from Corinth to go to Ephesus to take the gospel for the first time to this to this city across the sea. And we had this theologian that was traveling with us. And at each stop, he would sit down and teach about what was happening in that exact location and open up the Bible. So you look around and you're reading where you are. And it was just so emotional as he's talking to church planters about what would would Paul have been thinking? What was the fear inside of him looking across this body of water, knowing what the things that might be awaiting them? And and he said, so many of you have gone through so much as church planters. And he named all these things that they had gone through that I hadn't. I mean, I'd gone through some things for sure, but not those things. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like, God, why did you create a space for me on this trip? to come all the way across the world to hear teaching after teaching after teaching that's directed towards church planters. And I'm sitting here, this is awesome, but it's not to me. What a, why are we here? Why am I here? And that day, I'll never forget it. I, was, I actually filmed this, his teaching, and I showed it to our staff meeting, like three-fourths of the way through the teaching, the camera's doing this, and I'm crying because I, I felt God speak to me. You're here looking at church planters because I want you And your church to have a passion for church planters, for pastors operating from strength. You will not be a church that goes, but you will create. You'll be a church that creates paths for others to go. We will be a sending church, an apostolic church that empowers other churches, other people, people to branch out from this location in Albuquerque and beyond apostolic. What is this word? Apostle mean. It's the title for the original twelve disciples. And as they go through and the Holy Spirit comes in their leading churches, they're called the apostles. And, and there's really two paths of looking at this word in scripture. One of them, the paths is the title or office of apostle, which a lot of theologians believe ended, um, when, when those original apostles died off. I can go there, but another angle of looking at apostleship is also something this word is alive today in the sense that this word is also a gifting that the Holy Spirit has given to individuals in the church, but also in researching this, and what's fascinating, he's also given these same gifts not just to individuals in the church, but to churches of individuals. There's a spirit and anointing on different churches. We are different parts to the same body. That's why it does little to no good to compare this church to three or four other churches in the city going, well, I like this one better, and I like that one better. It's not a matter of better or worse. It's a matter of different parts to the same body of Christ. But we're called to be an apostolic church. The word apostle simply means this, sent one, one who is sent. But apostolic can mean the one being sent, or it can mean we are sending, Because the Apostle Paul was sent by Jesus, but the Apostle Paul also sent his protégés. He was an apostle, but he was also apostolic. We are an apostolic church with an apostolic spirit, with an apostolic gifting. How do I know this? Because every single time I start talking to you guys about how much I love this church, I say this often, I love our church, you guys love our church? I love our church, but there is one thing I love more than our church, guess what it is? The church, I love the church. Churches in our city are not competition, they're not the enemy, They are different parts to the same body of Christ. And I believe we are a church that is going to help build and strengthen local churches in our community, in our state and around the world. It's what we're built to do. The reason why I know we're apostolic, not just me, not just our staff, is because you guys do do every time what you just did. When I talk about this, you clap and you cheer. You do. I feel like we are gathered for such a time as this with the same heart and same mentality to love this place, but to dream beyond it. That's what being having an apostolic gift means. First Corinthians 12, 27 through 28 says now this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it and God has placed in the church first of all apostles second prophets and third teachers this is the office but also the gifting of apostleship bible.org defines the gift of apostleship as this the special ability that God gives to certain people in churches within the body of Christ which enables them to assume and exercise helpful leadership among a number of churches which is spontaneously recognized and appreciated by those churches these people are called to lead, inspire, develop the churches of God by the development of systems and structures to aid the mission of true discipleship. That's the gifting that I sense that is on this place. One of these is not, it's not just a self-proclaimed thing. One of the things we've noticed over the last few decades and even intensifying through the pandemic and now is how many churches are coming to us and saying, can we get resources on how you welcome new people? Can we get resources on how you organize worship teams? How you disciple the next generation? Can we get resources on, on how you build out a, a healthy board of elders? Can we get resources on financial accountability? How do you guys do this? How do you guys do that? And we were starting to get inundated with churches asking questions. And then I stepped back, coming back from this trip to Greece, now asking God and understanding that this is not by accident, It's something God is calling us to notice and to steward well. And so what we did two years ago coming out of our Heart for the House series is we launched something that we call Co-Church Network. The Co-Church Network is what makes all of those requests, turns it into a system, turns it into a structure that's more streamlined where we can help more churches in more specific ways. Everything we do as a church and have done Over the last five to seven years, we have turned into a a resource with our our resource page is amazing. So churches that subscribe to the resource part of our co-church network, it's all free, completely free, all the expenses on us to get everything formulated, to have a staff member who's their entire job is to focus on other churches and helping other churches And now we have all of these resources that they can take for free, pick up the phone and call us for any further explanation. And all of that was launched out of our Heart for the House offering series two years ago. And a big chunk of our Heart for the House offering every year goes back into investing in other churches because we believe our love for the church goes beyond these four walls. Citizen Church mission statement. I want us to always remember this. We'll say it often. We partner with God in building the church among all people everywhere. Notice it doesn't say we partner with God to build our church among all people everywhere. For sure, we will have more citizen churches. We have a campus in Maui. We're about to open a north campus on the other end of Albuquerque. One day um, in the next, I would say, five years, our dream is to have within five years, a west side campus. That's a citizen church. We want citizen churches. Sure. But way more than we want more citizen churches. We want more healthy churches. We want more healthy pastors, healthy church people. We want more healthy neighborhoods where the churches are better schools. We, we want the churches to change the atmosphere of where they are, because that's what churches are designed to do. And we, I feel our leadership feels that God, by his grace, has given us 92 years of strength. And all we have to do is say, yes, we'll help. Co-churches, our network has a threefold mission. Remember, Co-church network is not some third entity it's us. It's just, we didn't want to have it called Citizen Church Network because we didn't want churches thinking when they were joining it, that they were joining our church. So we just call it co-church. We co-labor. We're in this together, co-church. The threefold mission is this. Number one, to help strengthen existing churches. Number two, help start new churches. And number three, give personal support to pastors and their families. All three of these are unbelievably important, unbelievably important. And again, what I love so much is every single one of you, when I talk about these things, you're just as passionate about it as me. We have to invest in churches. How do we do this? There's a threefold method. The first one is this. So how do we achieve this mission? Number one, we promote. We promote other churches. How how do we do this? It may not be the exact definition you're thinking of, The word promote when you look it up and define it is this further the progress of 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 something, especially a cause or venture support or actively encourage. We're actively supporting, actively encouraging. That's what promoting is a huge part of who we are with other churches It's the vision of who we are. A great example of this is two years ago or I'm sorry, last year in this series, we had a young couple come up on the stage, Seth and Kayla Fincher. A few years ago, Seth said yes to becoming the pastor at Pruitt First Assembly of God in Pruitt, New Mexico. And if you don't know where that is, it's in between Grants and Gallup. And if you blink, you'll miss it. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere off of I-40. The nearest communities are 15 to 20 minutes away. It's on the reservation. But Seth just felt that he has this fire in his eyes and felt God unequivocally call him to that community. The people that live there. And he loves it. And the fire burns in his heart. About a year and a half ago, though, before he appeared, he was on our stage for, to be a part of our heart for the house offering. I got a phone call from our network oversight for this region, for the, the, the denomination that we're a part of. And he called me and said, um, hey, Seth Fincher, I know he's a part of your co-church network. Um, he, they're going through something. You may want to call him. And I said, okay. So I called Seth. And I said, Seth, what's going on? And he said, well, he's like, I don't want, I didn't want to call because I don't want to hand out. I feel bad. I don't know what to do. And I said, just tell me what's going on. And he said he was walking through his auditorium. It's a very old building. It was built 60 years ago. And he looked at the carpet and it started bubbling up and he pulled back the carpet and there was a crack in their foundation that ran the length of their auditorium. Just a small auditorium that maybe seats about 75 to 100 people, but it leveled him. He didn't know where to start, what to do. There was no money available they, they had, their, their congregation was down to just a handful of people, and he called and said, "I don't know what to do." And I said, "How much do you think you need to get this rolling and to get this foundation problem solved?" And he threw, he was working on numbers and threw it out, and he said, "Between twenty five and twenty five and thirty thousand dollars." I said, "Seth, I feel strongly that we're supposed to do this. Let me talk to our board, and I'll let you know." I talked to our board. They said yes, and we gave them twenty five between twenty five and thirty thousand dollars. What's so amazing is last year during the Heart for the House offering, he presented the need. We took this, that, that bit out of our Heart for the House offering. Last week, I wasn't here because I was there, because not only did they, were they able to fix the foundation, they were able to remodel the entire building. And on their dedication Sunday, they had 85 people in attendance. And so I just like to show you pictures of where your generosity goes And how it blesses so much more than this house, because we believe in the power of the house. And when people are called by God to go places, they need support. They need apostolic churches saying, we want to be a part of what you're doing. Because we think beyond our walls. And again, I'm so grateful that you think beyond our walls so we can help churches like Pruitt First Assembly, like Seth and Kayla. When he stood on the stage last Sunday, he looked down at me and he he said, I got to speak for a few minutes at it. But before I went up, he said, Dustin, tell your congregation, you guys are family to us. We love you. And all of this is because of the generosity of your church. Tell them. Thank you. Give yourselves a big round of applause. I think it's super cool. We promote. Number two, we protect. We protect. There's this little story that's tucked into scripture right when Jesus dies on the cross. This man whose name doesn't appear very often in scripture, but it's a powerful story with a powerful image. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. When Jesus dies on the cross, his body is hanging there and it's right before Passover begins. And once Passover begins or began, Jewish people could not touch anything unclean. And it was it was go time. It was I mean, they were in a crunch because because. If they didn't get that body, the body of Christ off the cross in time, then Jesus' body would have to hang on the cross through all of Passover. Joseph of Arimathea, the other disciples had run away. Joseph was a Jewish man who had kind of become a secret follower of Jesus, a businessman in the city, higher ranking Jewish official. He's a believer, though, and this is his moment to come out of the shadows. He sees the body of Christ in a vulnerable state, and he says, not on my watch. The body of Christ has to come down before the Passover begins. And of course, we know God is sovereign. God didn't need Joseph of Arimathea. God could have figured out a way, but God in his sovereignty, always understand this. He chooses to partner with people who say yes to what he's asking them to do. Joseph of Arimathea sees the body of Christ vulnerable and says, yes, yes what we see Joseph of Arimathea do, he goes boldly to Pontius Pilate, the governor, and says, let me have the body of of Christ. Then he boldly gives of his own tomb. Jesus was buried in Joseph's tomb. He gives his own tomb to Jesus. He gives his own finances, his own resources, when the body of Christ was vulnerable. And I, I love this small story because the picture of what we get transcends time and I feel like is a part of our calling and our mission today. There are certain parts of the body of Christ that are vulnerable today. The church in our country seems a little bit the body of Christ vulnerable today. We know that the church will outlast every season because Jesus said, I will build my church. It's not our church to build. But for some reason, he partners with people to identify in certain seasons when certain churches are vulnerable, gives us an apostolic mindset, gifting, and calling to reach out and help in seasons of vulnerability, not to point out the vulnerability, not to exploit the vulnerability, not to say we're better than them because they're vulnerable, but to say they're vulnerable. And for some reason in this season, we're in a street season of strength and we're going to help because no matter what we know is this, this church has gone through, uh, has gone through mountaintops and this church has gone through valleys. Every church has high points and every church has low points but we're called to protect the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, uh, 27 says, together you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of that body. I wanna read you a few statistics that are startling that show a little bit of the vulnerability of the body of Christ today in our country. These are all from the United States from Lifeway 2022. 4,000 new churches begin each year and 7,000 churches close. Over 3,500 people a day left the church last year. Six out of 10 churches are plateaued or declining in attendance. More than half of their churches saw fewer than, fewer than 10 people who became Christians in the last 12 months. Over 1,500 pastors left the ministry every month last year in the US. 90% of the pastors re- report working between 55 to 75 hours per week. of pastors feel that they're on call 24-7. 80% believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. Many pastors' children do not attend church now because of what the church has done to their parents. 45% of pastors battle depression or fear of inadequacy. 70% of pastors do not have someone they consider to be a close friend. 84% of pastors desire to have close fellowship with someone they can trust and confide with. 71% of churches have no plan for a pastor to receive a periodic sabbatical, and one out of every 10 pastors will actually retire as a pastor. Why am I reading so many statistics about pastors? First of all, I'm not reading these statistics for a sob story for me. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm not quitting. My family's good right now. We're great. Okay, we're good. I'm not saying these because like, man, that guy up there has the worst job in the world. No, no, no. I love my job let me tell you something. Most pastors don't have what I have with an amazing board that I work with at our church, amazing staff that pay attention to our lives, attention to our kids that bless us, amazing congregation that has your eye on us, not wanting to take, but to bless. I appreciate it, but most pastors don't have what I have. And I believe we are a church who can give them what they don't have currently in their churches to sustain them, to encourage them and to lift them up. Because the truth is, so goes the family. So goes the pastor and their family. So goes the church. And our job is not only to bless churches, but to look at who's leading them. And we can't bypass the pastors. And let me tell you, the greatest ministry you can ever give a pastor is to pay attention and to love their kids. To not put them in unnecessary spotlights to hold them at the same standard of their pastor parents, but to pay attention, love them. And not just mine. I'm talking about any pastor you ever meet. You meet them. If their kids are there, introduce yourself, call them by name, write down their names because the pastor's family goes through so much spiritual warfare. We want to be a church that stands with them and beside them saying we're going to battle with you. Do you guys agree with me on that? So we're called to protect. And then thirdly, we're called to partner. We're called to partner. How do we partner? It's what I've been talking about the whole time. There's three ways, relationally, spiritually, financially. So many of those statistics about pastors talks about loneliness. And the truth is, whether you're a pastor or a leader of an organization, a manager, it, it, it starts to feel like people just, everybody wants something from you. And a lot of pastors in smaller congregations that don't have staff and don't have, it's, their, their lives are 24 seven glass house. They're running everywhere. They never stop and they're never with their families and they don't have time to maintain friendships. So one of the things Co-Church and our church is, does and is going to do is offer the friendship relationship side of things for pastors to so where we can even help them get counseling if they need it. We can walk with them through ups and downs relationally. We're praying for them spiritually, but also financially. I've given examples of that. There have been pastors from co-church that their entire, they're in a smaller church, entire sound system went out one Sunday. What is an astronomical number for them was something we could do. And we said, yes. And the next Sunday, they were all able to have worship and praise. There's these small things that we're able to do financially, but there's also some big things that God calls us to do financially. Remember, part of that mission, and I'm going to close with this, part of that mission was, remember, strengthen existing churches, start new churches, and then help support pastors and their families. Start new churches. That's a huge part of being an apostolic church. A huge part. A few years ago, we launched Union City Church out of our church in Washington, D.C. It's thriving. We have given to 10 to 15 church plants over the last 10 years, but we feel like God is calling us to do even more and invest more into specific cities with specific pastors we have relationship with, not just financially, but for the long haul. So how we're gonna end today is in a second, we're gonna watch something, but I've got exciting news. We are now helping launch a brand new church in a city that I am extremely excited about. We're giving a large sum of money to this church, but they're also joining. They have joined co-church, our family level of co-church. They are a part of us, an extension of us and their family. They've gone through all of the networks that they needed to go through the training. And they're a couple we have great relationship with and we're so excited about. And it's a city you're going to be excited about. Take a look at the video. In 2020, in our Heart for the House offering, our anchor project that year was launching a brand new church out of our church in Washington, D.C., which was led by our then youth and young adult pastors, Brandon and Delaney Woodward, my brother and sister-in-law. They officially launched the church in the fall of 2021 and now have a weekly attendance average of between four and 500 people. And the church is thriving and people are getting saved. But our church has always had a rich history in church planting and helping churches get started all over the world. Almost every single Sunday, I get asked a specific question, which has led me to where I'm standing right now. That question is this, Dustin, do you know of any great churches in Phoenix? Well, guys, I am so excited to tell you today, now, I do. God has connected us with a church that's launching next fall called Valley Church. Come with me as we get introduced to this amazing pastor couple who will be leading this church plant in partnership with us in our Heart for the House offering. Well, we are here in Phoenix right now and I'm so excited because we're also here with Chris and Connor Moore and uh, they're pastors and they are on a journey right now to plant a church here in Phoenix. And I just wanted to talk to you guys for a few minutes about what God's doing in your life, a little bit about who you are, why church planting, why Phoenix, talk to us a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, Dustin, thanks for being here. We're so honored that you join with us. I'm Chris, this is Connor, my wife. Just over 10 years and uh, earlier this year, we felt called to step out of our comfort zone to plant a life-giving church here in the heart of the city. Just in 2020, every youth pastor I knew was lost and I was a global youth pastor at our church for over six years. We started a little Zoom call for youth pastors and that call grew from 20 guys here in Phoenix to over 750 and then God gave us a vision to inspire and equip 10,000 youth pastors to invest and mentor 100,000 students to reach a million kids for Jesus. We gave our lives to that vision for just over three years. And this year we saw all those major metrics come to pass. And it was like, we picked up our head and we looked around our neighborhood and our neighborhood looked vastly different Mm -hmm. as people flooded in from California and Oregon and Washington and and New Mexico, just moving here to the heart of the city. Mm -hmm. And over 10,000 people moved to this mile and a half radius of where we are right now in the last three years. And in that same time, not a single new church. And many of the churches around this area are ultra progressive, like not Bible believing, Bible preaching churches. Most of them are, you know, not even what we'd call a church. And so for us, we just really felt like, man, there was a huge need. And this God idea came into my head. There should be a good church right here. And so from there, we just began to pray and, and just to really search, like, is this a call from God to, to Central Phoenix?
0: It's amazing. And what's so cool about it is you're talking about those metrics that you saw come to pass from the Youth Pastor Roundtable, which I know many of those youth pastors that were blessed by what you guys led through the pandemic, helping youth pastors wrestle through all of those issues. So that's huge. But that's also faith building because if God did it for that, he can do it for this. And so I'm super excited about you guys stepping out. Connor, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your part of the journey with this and what church planting means for you and how big of a faith step this really is.
1: Yeah, so for me, I am the daughter of a church planter, myself, born and raised in church planting. And so I was basically a children's pastor at like eight years old uh, (laughs) with my sister. And so, um, I just have a long history in church planting and I kind of realized as this like idea came up that I was actually not wanting to do it. I really was hesitant and I think it's just honestly the trauma of kind of growing up that way. There's just things, you know, I was telling Chris when he brought it to me, I was like, do you want to be broke forever? Do you want to have no friends? Do you want everyone we love to leave? Like, <laughs> like it just, I'm like, man, the picture I have of church planting is just like loneliness and like stress and it's I'm like, one of
0: the hardest things anybody could ever do absolutely. it truly is it truly and is. i
1: was just i really was worried i was like is this just because it's like a trend is this just like we don't know what's next so let's just do this or is this actually like god is calling us and our family and our children to go through this and do this and are we called to this and so it was cool because we actually went to our couples counselor and we kind of brought the conversation there because it was such a big decision to make and um in that session she was kind of just I kind of expected her to be like Connor's right like <laughs> we really need to think about this and she was actually like Connor you suddenly give a lot of trauma you need to work through um and I was like oh shoot. And so we kind of like took that from there and I really went home and did some like thinking. And I was like, God, I just don't like, I I am also like a CEO of a company. And so I just don't have a lot of time. I'm already super stressed a lot. And so I was kind of just like sitting there and I was like, I've got to make a decision. Like our life is waiting for me. Everyone is ready except me. Am I holding us up on something that God is calling us to? And so I was sitting at my desk and I was working and I was just like, praying and I just prayed and I was like God I don't have time like I don't have time to pray and fast like my life is so busy yeah. we've got three little kids and I was just I got a, I genuinely don't have time and I I need a fast answer if you're willing please will you just answer <laughs> yeah, the question I've been there I've been there. <laughs> yeah, like it was just time is going by and um so in that moment I just felt like God just said to me do it And that was it. And that was all I needed is I just needed that clear word from God. Permission. Yes. And just like, that's it. And so I literally picked up my phone. I called Chris and I was like, he was talking about something else. And I was like, I got to tell him, I'm going to tell him. (laughs) And so, um, I like interrupted him. I was like, I've just got to tell you that I was just praying. And I feel like God just said, do it. And I just want you to know I'm all in. I'm ready and I want to run. I want to, yeah. I want to do it. I feel called. I'm 100%. I'm not hesitant. I know the things I'm worried about. God's going to take care of. And I've just had this peace ever since.
0: So now that you guys are on the same page and, and you're taking this faith leap into church planting, huge deal. Yeah. You're, you take your whole family. It's an all family thing. You guys have yes. three little kids, beautiful little kids. Yeah. And um, it's something where this church will be their second home their whole life and that's such a cool thing to think about um so where you're at now um you're you're early in this process you just announced not too long ago on social media you have the blessing of your uh, pastors that you've been on staff with that you're being sent which means so much um what, what are your next steps where do we go from here
2: yeah so currently we're building a launch team of people who really feel called to make a difference here in central phoenix you know Like I said, 10,000 people moved here in the last three and 10,000 more are moving in the next three. And this, where we're currently filming is so close to where we're gonna be meeting. Like this is the heart of the city. So we're building a team to help us reach this part of the city.
0: So we're in our heart for the house series right now that we're calling as for me and this house. And so this whole series is about what our house, Citizen Church is doing. And one of our biggest passions is not just for this house though, it's for the house, the house of God the church. And so we love church planting. We love church planters. um, And we are so excited today to be able to partner with you guys and set out the vision to our church uh, that we're going to invest in a church plant in Phoenix uh, that we can stay connected with. This isn't just about giving money. This is about a relationship that's being formed. This is about something that will last for a long time. Um, that w- A church that we can pour resources into and send people to and help you truly build this. Uh, we are so excited to partner with you guys and to be a part of it. Um, thank you for your faith step. We're super excited. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much, Dustin. And thank you, Citizen, for, for taking this journey with us. It really yeah. means the world. You know, I, I, I haven't, I don't have very much time to share my entire story, but I'm Native American, born and raised on a reservation. My family had never even owned a piece of property. And to see how God changed my life through a local church mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. makes me dream about what God could do here. It's amazing. And having a relationship and a partnership with a church like Citizen is, yeah. it's just a dream. Yeah. And so, you know, I know every single one of these dollars that's given is going directly to changing lives and, mm-hmm. and seeing pe- lives built. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for a life-giving church. And I know there's yeah. so many stories of the thousands of people who are moving here
0: that need the same type of church. They do, they do. And again, thank you guys. And we are honored, honored, honored for uh, all of this and to be a part of what you guys are doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you You're
0: welcome. Yes, super, super exciting. So they are officially a part of our network and we'll be keeping you guys up to speed on all of that. We're bringing them out for the rally conference in February so you can meet them, uh, but they should be a launching next fall. So if you have family members that want to be a part of this church launch and, and, and get their hands dirty with church planting, just you can go to their website um, and then or wait until February and we'll be giving you all the information about how you can be a part um, personally and inviting people that live in the Phoenix area to help them start this church. Lastly, before I pray today, there's one really cool thing um, that I want to announce today. So um, the sad news is next year, at the end of next year, we were going to have a Holy Land uh, Israel trip that so many of you had signed up for. We, we do those tours of the Holy Land because of what's happening in that area. We are not able to do that trip next year. But what's amazing is the same Greece trip I was talking about in my sermon, we sent a team there two weeks ago to build out an entire trip. And we are officially launching today that next November of 2024, we are taking a Citizen Church Greece tour trip to, following the footsteps of Paul. Pretty cool, right? So we're going to be going to cities like Athens and Corinth and Thessaloniki and Philippi. There will be two price options, a less expensive price for a fewer amount of days and then a more expensive price for more days. We're trying to get it uh, the most manageable price possible. But let me tell you, If you want the Bible to forever come to life when you read it, go on this trip. I've been to the Holy Land twice and Greece is every bit as meaningful as that trip. Are you guys excited for this as well? There's a lot going on. Great stuff. Next week is our Heart for the House offering. Remember, we've got a million dollar goal, stretch goal. And what we believe is God multiplies sacrifice. Be praying this week about what you and your family want to give. And let's make next Sunday a miracle Sunday watching everything God does through our generosity. Father, we, I pray over every person that's here. God, I pray blessings over our congregation. God, I pray blessing over us this week and just steward our prayers, Father. And as we pray, give us wisdom on what we're going to bring next week. These huge endeavors, the preschool, the church, so many things going on, Father, but we believe that when we do our best, you step in and do yours. Multiply our generosity, Father. We thank you. Thank you for blessing us to be a blessing, and in your name we pray. Amen.